0: Good morning Maple Grove. Good morning, Good morning Maple Grove. Good morning. All right, it's better. Hey, hey, welcome to Christmas Sunday 2018 at Maple Grove. Merry, merry, almost here in two days Christmas. Like this year just like where did it go, right? It's crazy. And, and again, it's great having the Grove kids in here with us. And whenever you're with us um, kids for uh, a Sunday, a family Sunday, like I always said, if you fill in your outlines, you got a shorter one in there and maybe this will help your mom and dad pay attention for a change, maybe. And, and just kidding, maybe. Um, and uh if you color your stuff, if the end of the service you come up there and show that to me. Right. I got I got some candy bars here. And we don't do many candy bars, right? I'm talking the real deal candy bars. we got Kit Kats, Hershey bars, and Reese's peanut butter cups. So come up after service, show me that you've been filling in your outline, coloring what you need to color, and you can leave here with a bunch of sugar for your moms and dads. That They appreciate that. And, and so uh, we're in this series called Christmas Messages, where we are uncovering some of the, some of the amazing and empowering messages that are tucked within the uh, first Christmas And so far, what we've heard has really been awesome. In week one, we we heard the message of of destiny, uh, where we learned that it's never too late and it's never too early to be used by God. And last week, Joseph taught us about the message of obedience and how Sometimes obedience can be embarrassing. It's often inconvenient. Um, many times it doesn't make sense the things that God asked us to do, right? It, it just doesn't make sense to us. And, and, and sometimes it, it comes with the price, but it's always rewarded. Whenever you obey God, there's always a, a great reward. Uh, one of the rewards are that God can use you. You please God. You know God more. You're confident of where you stand with God, and then God will unleash, and he'll pour out his blessings on you. Now, this morning, Christmas uh, 2018, uh, we're going to talk about what is, without a doubt, the most important, the central message of Christmas, uh, the message of salvation. Yes, fellow Jesus followers, today is a day for you to rejoice greatly. For unto you, this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. All right? let's practice rejoicing. Show me what it looks like if you're rejoicing greatly, right? You got a pay raise, you got something good, or Jesus came. Let me see if some rejoicing greatly. Yeah! Woo! 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 Come on. All right, that's good. That's good. Uh, All right, here's how I I want to uh, untack our conversation Uh, this morning. We're going to talk about salvation. Um, It is the reason salvation is finally here salvation, it is much more than just forgiveness. It's available to all, and it's by grace through faith. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for your love, your mercy. God, thank you for sending your son 2,000 years ago as a baby. Uh, Thank you for all these young people in the room with us. And God, help us to lean in this morning and and learn from you about this great salvation uh, that Jesus came to bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, salvation, it is the reason. And, and though I have nothing against Santa, reindeer, frosty, the snowman, Rudolph, elf, even elves on shelves, right? The Grinch or Christmas tree, lights, trees, stockings, presents, parties, or cookies, Jesus is and, and, and Jesus will always be the reason for the season, amen? amen. And, and in fact, the word Christmas means a celebration of Christ, Right? celebration of Christ, Christ Christmas. And and the word Christ, it means the Messiah or the anointed one. You know, God was waiting for the, send us Messiah, God's people were waiting for the Messiah come to to save them. So, you maybe instead of saying happy holidays or Merry Christmas, we could say, hey, have a merry time. Try this this week. Have a merry time celebrating Christ, right? That's because that's what we're talking about. Celebrating Christ and 2,000 years ago, God the Son put on flesh and was born in the manger, and the primary reason was to bring salvation. And therefore, it shouldn't surprise us that we see salvation all over the Christmas story, the Christmas message. I mean, it's like everywhere. Matthew chapter 1, we see this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Joseph, in a dream, and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now the word Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua, which means God saves. So the angel, see what he's saying? Hey, I want you to name him God saves because he will save, because he will save his people from their sins. And as the angels lit up the sky, that first night, as the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks at night, the message was of salvation. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And listen, this message of salvation, it wasn't only spoken by angels, but you see it all over the, all over the first Christmas in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, he's the dad of John the Baptist, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and he preaches a, a message, and it's all about salvation. He, he talks about rescue and God's mercy and redemption. He uses the word salvation three times, and then he, he, he wraps up this message. Remember, he's holding his son in his arms at the time, John the Baptist, he's looking at him, and he says, and you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And we see this message in salvation when when Mary and Joseph, they take baby Jesus to the temple. That's what God had asked um, parents to do back then and when there was there's an old guy there named Simeon and when Simeon saw baby Jesus he took baby Jesus into his arms and he praised God saying sovereign lord as you have promised you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared in the sight of all nations a light for the revelation of the gentiles and the glory of your people Israel You see, Jesus is the greatest Christmas gift ever given. And the gift is the gift of salvation. Next, salvation is finally here. It's kind of crazy, but in just two days, it will be Christmas. And for especially young children, you know, they're like, they thought the day would never get here. And parents were hoping the day would never get here, right? But in just two days, right, it's going to finally be here. And, and listen, waiting and looking forward to have always been a part of Christmas. In fact, when Jesus was born and laid in that manger 2,000 years ago, people have been waiting and longing for his arrival and for the salvation he would bring for their entire lives. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Now there was in Jerusalem, there, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was, he was what? He was waiting. For the consolation, the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And when baby Jesus was presented at the temple by his mom and dad, not only did they encounter Simeon, but they encountered an 84 year old widow named Anna, who had spent every day and every night fasting and praying. And when baby Jesus was brought to the temple, she saw them. She walked up to Mary and Joseph. And Luke writes, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption, to the salvation of Israel. Again, everybody alive in Palestine on that first Christmas had been waiting for Jesus their entire lives. In fact, God's people have been waiting even longer than that. Uh, They've been waiting over 2,000 years because that's when God made the first promise to Abraham that he would send a Savior. Like 2,000 years That's a long time to wait. But you know who had been waiting longer for the first Christmas to get here? God. You see, God had been waiting for Christmas ever since the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned and in doing so, they put this wall that separated them from God. Separated God from the people made in his image, the people that he loves so dearly. And so in Genesis chapter 3, God began waiting for the perfect time and the perfect place for the first Christmas. And I have no doubt, right, when the angels lit up the sky, when Jesus was born, that God was like, yes, Christmas, yes, my salvation is finally here. The perfect time has come. Paul talks about this perfect time in Galatians chapter 5, 4 and 5. He says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Now, have you ever wondered why God chose that time and that place? Like, like, like we would probably say, hey, there's no internet back then, right? I mean, you couldn't even text, you had no computers. Why was... First century Palestine, the perfect time and the perfect place. Here are a few reasons. Uh, The Roman Empire was at the height of its power. In peace, the Pax Romana was established from Britain all the way to India. And that means that the people could travel safely and freely. Um, They weren't restricted by any, any national or political barriers or borders. Also, Roman roads were everywhere. And so God's messengers had a robe that they could take to take the gospel everywhere. Um, Greek had become the universal language in the Roman Empire. Old Testament was translated into Greek in 250 BC. Uh, Koine Greek was the, the language of commerce. And the structure of Greek was perfectly suited for communicating the gospel because it's so accurate, you know, as we've seen through some of our studies. so accurate in its vocabulary and its, and its verb forms. Number four... Greek philosophy had prepared the minds of the masses. You see, it was very common in the first century for people to get together and to discuss things like religion and the meaning and purpose of life and immortality and the nature of man and righteousness and salvation. Number five, uh, there was a longing in the hearts of people for something better because everything that they had put their hopes in had let them down. Uh, The pagan religions were bankrupt, Philosophy only brought up questions but didn't have any answers. The government wasn't much help at all. Crime was at an all-time high. Respect was lacking. Sin, there were sin and corruption, disease, the breakup of the family, sexual perversion were running wild. It, It was truly a moral and a spiritual time of darkness. And number six, the prophetic timetable was in place. I mean, everybody was just waiting, knowing the time was soon to come. It was a perfect time. It was a fullness of time. Salvation was finally here. Next, salvation is, it it means so much more than just forgiveness. Now, now, now don't get me wrong. I'm pro-forgiveness. Forgiveness Uh, forgiveness is needed. It's necessary, and it's awesome. I, I mean, to have the barrier of sin removed, to have Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because you and I owed a debt we could never pay, to be made right with God, it's just what we all needed. But there's so much more to salvation than that. It, it, you know, I, I was thinking as I wrote this message, and thinking about salvation being more than forgiveness, and, and a scene from the 1997 blockbuster movie kept coming to my mind. And no, not, I'm the king of the world! Not that, not that line. Instead, it's towards the end of the movie when Rose, if you've seen the movie, she's now old, and she's telling the crew on the salvage ship, about how Jack had saved her, how he given that little floating piece of wood, which I think they could have took turns and they both could have lived, but that's, that's a different story, right? And, and, and then she makes this statement. So now you know that there was a man named Jack Dawson and that he saved me. In every way, a person can be saved. And, and then what the camera does, it zooms in and it shows all these photographs of the amazing and adventurous life that, that Rose had lived, all because... Jack Dawson, has saved her. Brothers and sisters, 2,000 years ago, a baby was born in a manger. His name is Jesus. And he came to save us in every possible way that a person can be saved. Now understand, when you and I, when we scan, when we scan the photos of the life that we can now live because Jesus saved us, those pictures are amazing. I I mean, Because of Jesus and our salvation, we can live a life that is full of meaning and purpose and satisfaction. We can live a life that is free from the bondages of worry and doubt and fear and trying to measure up. We can live a life free from the the pain of the regret, from the mistakes we made in the past because we now know that in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. We can live a life of joy no matter what, the circumstances. We can truly love others because we're truly loved by God. We can live a life where we have a a peace that passes understanding and a living hope because we know that we have an inheritance in heaven that'll never spoil, fade, or pass away. We can live a life where, I'm not making this up, with the The spirit and the power of God living inside of us, helping us to rise above every struggle, helping us to overcome every obstacle, and helping us to develop in ever increasing amounts love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. We can live a life where we really are a new creation where the old things are gone and going and keep going and the new and better things keep coming and coming and coming. We can live a life where God's image and God's likeness is being restored in us, where every day the life we live looks a little bit more like the life that God lived when he wore flesh and walked this planet. Bottom line, salvation is about both our forgiveness and our and our restoration. God wants you to forgive you, but he doesn't want to stop there. He wants you to restore you into the man and woman that he created you to be. Amen? Amen? Next is salvation. It's available to all. Now, how awesome is that, right? I like to say the Greek word for all means all, right? It means all. Check this out. I'm not making it up. And the angel said to the people, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great, it's the word mega, mega joy, that will be for all people. Luke 2, 30 through 32. My eyes have seen, this is Simeon, my eyes have seen your salvation that you're prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. When you say Jews and Gentiles, you're saying all people, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Salvation is available to all, and everyone in this room is most definitely part of that all. That Jesus is inviting this morning, Christmas 2018, into the fullness of his salvation. I'm going to tell you, I... I don't care if you've been a Christian for 80 years or longer or less. There is more to your salvation than you're yet experiencing. There's more to my salvation than I've yet to experience. There's so much more. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good and I want more. Get it? Good. And here's a, here's a, I made up a new one this morning, right? You know, we got to get it, got it good. And when I talk about salvation, I'm going to say want it? And you say, you know it, and I say, me too, right? It's a great salvation. You want it? You know it. Me too. You want it? You know it. Me too. All right. Salvation is the reason it's finally here, more than just forgiveness, and it's available to all. And, and, And so the question of the ages is, how do we get in on the Christmas gift of salvation found only in Christ our Lord? Well, the good news is that salvation is by grace through faith. The Bible teaches that salvation is a gift. It can't be earned and never deserved. It's not something, salvation is not something we achieve or that we strive for. The Bible word for that is, is grace. It's God's unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's an acrostic I like of the word grace. You may have heard this before, it's not original with me. You know, grace is God's riches, he's pretty rich, at Christ's expense. So you get the riches of God, but Jesus is the one who paid the bill. God's riches at Christ's expense. By grace through faith. See, the Bible teaches that this gift can only be received through faith. And throughout the pages of the New Testament, we find the details of the faith that saves. Question, do details matter? Are details important? Like, like if if you put the wrong key into your car, will the ignition turn? No, it's not going to turn. If you are dialing a phone number and you hit one wrong digit, are you going to get the person you're trying to call? No. That, that that one digit detail matters. If if you're searching a website and you hit one wrong character, you'll not get to the website that you were trying to get to. If you, if, if you leave out or put in too little or too much of an ingredient into something you're cooking, will it turn out the same way? No. You know, details matter and. Scriptures, we see that details matter to God. I mean, when Noah built the ark to save his family, God gave some very specific details about building the ark and filling the ark, and Noah followed those details, and, and guess what? Noah and his family were saved. When Israel crossed the Jordan to conquer the promised land, he gave Joshua a very strange but a very detailed thing about how to conquer the city of Jericho, Right? For seven days, walk around the city. Day one, one time, blowing trumpets. Day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, you walk around one time. Day seven, you walk around seven times. And guess what happened after they finished that final detail on day seven, walk around seven times. The walls of Jericho fell down and God conquered the city. When a leper named Naam came to the prophet Elisha and wanted to get rid of his leprosy, he was told to dip seven times in the Jordan River. He goes to the Jordan River. He dips once. Twice, three, four, five, six times, comes up, still has leprosy. He dips the seventh time, comes up, and guess what? It was immediately gone. You know, those detailed matters. And, and in the Bible, we, we, we see the details about how we receive this awesome gift of salvation. And those details, I believe, matter to God. We're saved by grace through faith, so let's unpack the faith that saves. I mean, it, it, it's why... We have Christmas to begin with because Christmas is about salvation. So saving faith responds by believing, right? We, we, we believe what God's word says about Jesus, who he is, and, 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 and what he did. We believe what God's word says about his plan, about grace, uh, about sin and its consequences, that our sins separate us from God. We believe what God's word says about who Jesus was and what he did. That he paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. And believing that is awesome, but biblical saving faith doesn't stop there. Saving faith also responds in repentance. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the time of refreshing may come from the Lord. And repentance is more than simply being sorry for your sins. Repentance is making a U-turn. It's, it's, it's hanging a, a 180. It's laying down your agenda for life and picking up God's agenda for life. It's saying, God, I, I've been the Lord and boss of my life for, for so long, and it's not working out so good. And now I want you to be the Lord and the boss of my life. I want to take off my old ways and old actions and old attitudes, and I want to put on your new and better ways of living. Next, saving faith responds in confession. Jesus said in Matthew 10 Everyone, therefore, who shall confess to me before men, I will also confess before him, before my Father who is in heaven. You see, faith, unashamedly at all times, no matter who we're with, no matter what the cost, is willing to say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I love Jesus, and I follow Jesus. Confession is the willingness to go and stay public with our faith. Get it? Good. I was quick on the good. Uh, Saving faith responds by being baptized. Uh, The word... Uh, baptism or baptize is used over 80 times in the New Testament. Um, every time it's the Greek word, baptizo, which means to dip, immerse, or to plunge. And though that's why at Maple Grove, when we baptize, we baptize by immersion because the word means that and because we see people doing that in the, the New Testament. And, and what I like to talk about, you know, this is... This is Baptism Sunday. We, we called it out a couple weeks ago. We had a couple of people baptized just this Thursday who didn't want to wait. And we had two young men were baptized last Sunday. But, but let's just talk a little bit about this, um, about baptism. A uh, few things to keep in mind. They'll pop up on the screen here. Baptism is not a tradition of the church. It's a command and promise of God. It's not about joining a church. It's about being united with Christ. It's not a parental decision. It's a personal decision. Everybody in the Bible, you know, they believed that they were baptized. Um, it, it, it's about my relationship with God and not anyone else's relationship with God. It's a personal thing. It's, it's it's a me and God thing. You don't have to be worthy to be baptized. Just like you don't have to take a bath in order to take a bath, right? You know, it's like, well, let me clean my life up first and then I'll surrender to Christ. No, you don't have to be worthy because that's the whole point. You're, you're not worthy. Um, and when you look at the Bible, no verse can mean less than what it says when it's talking about salvation, but it can mean more in light of other scriptures. So what I want to do is walk through as we wrap up here. And I'm excited about this because the message of Christmas is salvation. I mean, those angels jumped up, they lit up the sky. Joseph got woke up in a dream. Zachariah held that baby and saw salvation coming. Simeon said, I can now go because I'm, I'm looking right now at your salvation. So, you know, I don't know if I ever preached the message of salvation on Christmas, but I kind of felt led to do it here. We're going to walk through Scripture. And I'm, I'm pretty much, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard for me to do when I say I'm not going to talk a lot. But I, I'm going to do the best that I can just to read the Scriptures. And hey, let, let the Scriptures speak because they're pretty awesome. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 28, shortly before going back into heaven... All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Mark's account of that in his gospel it was this. He told them to go out and preach. And he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And now I want to read a few verses from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a... Only book of history in the New Testament. And it's the only place in the entire Bible where we see real men and women hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel. All the other New Testament letters and, and written to churches and to individuals. Okay? So Acts chapter 2, we have the gospel being preached for the first time. Luke records, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000, that's a good Sunday, were added to the number that day in Acts chapter eight, Philip is in Samaria performing miracles and preaching the gospel. We read in Acts chapter eight, verse twelve. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the King of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. A few verses down in chapter eight, Philip runs. Well, God sends Philip to this Ethiopian eunuch who had just returned to Jerusalem. He had been worshiping God. He's in his chariot, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah about how Jesus was the lamb that was sacrificed. God sends Philip to him. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He replied, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. In Acts chapter 9, we read, this is three days after Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. A dude named Ananias goes to where Paul is staying. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. In Acts chapter 16, Paul goes down to a river in Philippi. A bunch of people have gathered to worship and pray to God. And one of them was a lady named Lydia. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia. A dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. A little little later in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in jail. The angel makes a jailhouse rock. Uh, Elvis gets a theme for a great popular song, Jailhouse Rock, when that happened. And and he's kind of freaking out because my my prisoners, if they escape, I'm going to get killed. Uh, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sir, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, because they didn't know anything about Jesus yet, and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took him and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. In Acts 18, Paul's in Corinth, preaching the gospel, and we read in Acts 18, 7 and 8, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus, justice, a worshiper of God, Crispus, a synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. Then in Acts twenty two sixteen, 16, Paul's recounting his conversion. He's under arrest, and he, he, Ananias said this to Paul, it's three days after he met Jesus, And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Here are just a few verses about baptism in the New Testament letters. Paul writes in Romans, all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Galatians 3.27, all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And First Peter three twenty one, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Also, no magic in the water. It's not the magic is not in the water. It's a, it's faith and grace meeting, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It or baptism or the pronoun it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus. We're saved by Jesus' blood and resurrection and grace alone. And, and, and so that's some scriptures about baptism. Now I, I, we have one young man. You know, he uh, was going to be baptized, um, you know, during the service today. And, and, and if you've never done that, you know, if I, I, I was sprinkled as a, a child. Um, uh, later, at 19, found out that the word meant immerse. And I'm like, I didn't know that. Now I do. I just might as well do it, you know. Someone was baptized this week, a guy about my age. And, you know, he, he was sprinkled as an adult. And he said, hey, you know what? I've known for a while it's immersion. And, and you know what? I just decided to obey. Uh, decided not to debate it, but just obey what God says. He says, I'm not repudiating my faith up until this point. I'm just saying, now that I know what it is, I'm just going to simply respond and, and say yes to it. So, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I have these with me today. These are pretty famous right here. Yeah, this, is my, this is my famous yellow bathing suit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, and, and you can talk to me anytime about it. If you haven't done it yet, you know, Salvation is by grace through a faith that responds by believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Maple Grove, I, I bring you good news of great joy. And the town of David, a Savior, is born to you, bringing salvation. It's the reason. It's, it's, it's the whole reason he came. It's finally here. It's so much more than just forgiveness. It's available to all. You don't have to earn it or deserve it, right? You don't have to wait for it. It is here waiting for you. And it's by grace. It's an incredible gift. Like I said, Christmas is almost here, right? And, 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 and a lot of people in our world, maybe even some in this room, are, are feeling a little bit of what I call that, that seasonal Christmas panic. Like, I still have gifts to buy, gifts to wrap, things to assemble, things to decorate, parties to give, cookies to bake, dinner to prepare, you know, and and, and therefore, sometimes people get stressed out. I'm sure no one here ever does, but sometimes people get stressed out at Christmas. You know what they say? I'm just not ready for Christmas. I'm just not ready. And and I get that in a way, but in another way, I, I, I want you to know that if you're ready for Jesus, if you're if you're ready for Jesus to be more of a living reality in your life if you're ready for salvation and like like again like maybe today's the first time you've thought about surrendering your life to Jesus you know it, it, or if you've been a believer for a while and you're ready and your salvation has it kind of cold and stale and boring and not so much fun you know kind of vanilla right though i love vanilla special vanilla bean right but, Ice cream? You know, but if your salvation got kind of vanilla, are you ready for it to be something more? Are, are, are you ready to walk in joy and peace? You know, to have that peace of passage understanding, to be free of worry and fear and doubt? You know, then you know what I'd say? I think you're ready for Christmas. You, you may have some goodbye, but you're ready for the real meaning of Christmas and the salvation that Jesus brought you. Because God couldn't even imagine life without you. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. Thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Thank you for your salvation. God, I I, I pray that it can truly bring us good good news. I I pray that we'll see it as good news of of, of great joy, of mega joy. And God, I I pray for those in here that maybe just have never surrendered to you by grace through faith, that maybe today is that day. And again, I, I pray for all of us, Lord, who... Are stressed out over Christmas, that we realize that the best part of Christmas was already taken care of, and that's Jesus. And the best gift of Christmas was already given, and that's salvation. And, and, and may the reality of that lessen the stress of the other things that are not bad. They're not bad, God. But help us to remember that the best part, you've done all the heavy lifting for Christmas already. God, we love you, and as we, as we worship in song, Lord, may you be honored.